And Lord, I uh, want to thank you for everyone here. Father God, you created us in your own image. And just looking out in this room as, uh, as we do, Father God, it's a beautiful image. So thank you for that. Thank you for your redemptive son. And Lord, thank you for reconciliation. And Lord, as we pour into this series, uh, giving in relationships, we just ask that you would continue to enlighten us and share with us and, and just reveal to us those areas in which we can be uh, giving and receiving in a more healthy manner. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I am going to start by reading a story from Chicken Soup for Your Soul, the Christmas cheer, Christmas edition. Um, personally, I love these little stories because it's like I can relate to them oftentimes. Um, but they're also just fun little short encouraging stories. So this story is a tale of two Christmases. And it begins by a quote from the infamous Dr. Seuss. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more? Interesting quote. Anyway, this is the story. Um, and the story was written by Teresa Tippetts. Tippetts? T-I-P-P-E-T-S. I've had many happy memories of Christmas when I was a child, but there are two in particular that stand out from the others. The first took place when I was in sixth grade, the second a year later. Dad would line up five kitchen chairs in the living room, one for each of us kids, after we had gone to bed on Christmas Eve. Out of coat hangers, he would make hooks that fit over the back of each chair. On each, he hung a large red and green Christmas stockings that my mother had made for each of us. Presents too big to fit into our stockings were placed on and under the chairs. On this particular Christmas morning, Mom and Dad were sitting on the couch at one end of the living room watching us hastily tear into the packages. Excited yells of, look what I got, look what I got, added to the din we made as we played with each toy briefly before discarding it and ripping into another present. I don't remember what gifts I received, but it wasn't the presents that made that Christmas memorable. We had finished opening the last of the packages when my younger brother John and I happened to glance over at our parents who were sitting, who were still sitting on the couch. Both of their faces were lit with beaming smiles. Mom and Dad, asked my brother puzzled, why are you smiling? You didn't get anything. At the time, I didn't give much thought to my brother's questions or to my parents' actions. After all, I got what I wanted. All was well with the world and I expected that future Christmases because of the presents I would receive, would give me even greater feelings of joy. The next holiday season began like all the others. My friends and I reminded each other on a daily basis how much time remained until Christmas. Weeks turned into days until finally Christmas Eve arrived. It was the day before the big one. I went to bed that night as excited as I had ever been. Thoughts of the wealth I would soon inherit filled my head. It was rough, but somehow I managed to drift off to sleep. Finally, Christmas morning arrived. Being the oldest, I felt that it was my solemn duty to lead the stampede to the presents, and so I did. The ripping of paper was punctuated with the usual excited squeals of happiness and the shouts of, look what I got, as my brothers and sisters noisily showed off to each other newly opened gifts. 
I was tearing the wrapping from my second present when I noticed that something was wrong. Pausing to take a quick inventory of my emotions, I realized that my feverish excitement of the night before was gone. Well, no need to panic yet, I thought. After all, the first present had been the usual can of planter's peanuts from my dad. So maybe, I lost my place. Uh, so maybe the present I was now opening would restore my excitement to its proper level. Encouraged by that thought, I finished opening the package. Inside was a plastic rock rocket. It could be partially filled with water, pressurized with the included plastic pump, then launched about 30 feet into the air. My younger brother John was practically drooling over it with envy, and I didn't even want it. A third and final present proved to be equally unexciting. So bored, I picked up my toys and carried them into the dining room table. Mom and Dad noticed my letdown look. Terry, my dad said above the laughter of the other children, you missed a present. It's under your chair. Unexcitedly, I opened a small white two-inch square box. Inside was a West Clock brand pocket watch. I'd never owned any watch before, and while I decided that this present was definitely the most practical one of the otherwise sorry lot, I still was deeply disappointed. The spirit of Christmas, it seems, had left me. Vanish. Poof. Gone. I was trying to come to grips with this unexplained emptiness when suddenly I remembered my brother's question to my parents the previous year when he had asked, how come you're smiling? You didn't get anything. Something happened inside of me. I looked over at my mother and father who was sitting in their usual positions on the couch. The same beaming smile as before was on their faces. Maybe, I thought, they knew something I didn't. So I walked over to the couch and sat down beside them, and I watched. A different kind of Christmas began for me then. I found myself smiling broadly at the delight of a brother or sister would display upon opening a present. I felt particularly pleased when a small gift I had bought for one of them was given more appreciation than it really deserved. I felt pride when one of them would come to my to me requesting my help in putting together a toy or a game. That year, just like Dr. Seuss's Grinch, I found out that Christmas doesn't always come in a box. That year, Christmas for me came in the shining eyes and the joyous smiles of my younger brothers and sisters. My one regret was that they couldn't see what I was seeing from my position on the couch. They just didn't know how much fun they were missing. Interesting story. Um, we really thought that that story kind of exemplified um, both overall what we started talking about last week, which is what this session's on, relational giving, but also receiving. Um, so, so it's a good transition story, because remember we closed last week by saying that we were going to talk about, we talked about how to give well, right? And then the topic of receiving well kind of came, came up. And we hadn't necessarily originally thought of doing a receiving well, but when that came up, it's like, okay, Lord, let's let's look into what it takes. Um, but before we do that, has anybody had any opportunity to give differently this this past week than we have in the past? Paul? <laughs> Yay! Good for you! Good job. <laughs> Did you give differently this last week? Did you give differently this last week than you have in the past? Kathy, how did that cause you to feel, by the way? What emotions did you feel? It 
it was wonderful, and I, and I knew he was doing it intentionally, because I usually don't make him watch that kind of stuff, and I don't watch him anymore either, but hey, you know, the 49ers are in the playoffs, so. And, but, and it, um, it was, it was really nice, you know, he was engaged with the game and with me, and I knew he was doing it intentionally, which made it even more special. That's awesome. So I, and I appreciate everything you said. You didn't answer my question. Oh, I didn't? Oh, oh how did it make me feel? There we go. Right. How did, there we go. There we go. There we go. Loved and valued. Because it's important to remember that this giving and receiving will, we talk about emotional care and emotional things and emotional relate. So we're talking about emotions. All that that you shared is absolutely fantastic. I was interested in how it caused you to feel. Because when we discuss and we, when we share about how things make us feel, that's an example of receiving well. So we're done with today's lesson. Everybody can go home. No, we got to we talk about the scripture that talks about it. Oh, that's right. We do have to discuss. This is Bible study. This is Bible study. So we're supposed to bring so in Bible. So the first resource we went to is scripture. And scripture actually does have something to say about receiving. Um, Acts 20.35, Paul is talking to the people and basically it's like, hey, don't you remember Jesus? He always says that it's more blessed to give than to receive. There you go. So we're done. Now we're done. No, we're not done. Now, actually, this this um, this study we delved further, not just into scripture, but also into other resources, and that really just with the concept of receiving, and um, because it's when you think about how many in here are a little bit uncomfortable in receiving things. Why? The source of who it comes from. Okay, because of who it may be coming from. Why else? I found for me, because a lot of times in order to receive, I have to be vulnerable. Okay. I have to let my guard down to let somebody bless me with something. And it's shown me at different times that I didn't know how much guard I had up. Okay. You know? okay. So it's, I have to be vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable. Well, when I learned to receive, it was really hard to receive because as a man's standpoint, I failed to provide and take care of everything that is needed in the household. And years ago, I found myself where we were like way short and then somebody came up and gave us a, a monetary gift. And <coughs> It tore me up inside. I just had to. I had to learn how to receive. Okay. So receive. The and, act of receiving had to change your identity. Right. Because you went from I am the provider and right. the one that needs to be responsible right. to wait a second. I can accept help. Right. It okay. Was really, it was a really hard lesson to learn. Okay. Okay. Paul. Um, for me, it was. Um, there, there was an element of that, that even as a youngster, um, and I, I wasn't raised in the church, right? But as a youngster, that 
scripture was bandied about with, I believe, an incorrect definition. Giving good, receiving bad. Right? Receiving bad. Somebody said, better to give than to receive. It doesn't say receiving something bad at all. But that was kind of how it was handed to me and excited me at Christmas time, you know, or something, because I'm receiving. And, you know, that kind of stuff. And so that was ingrained pretty hard. Um, but then coming around, you know, doing the cleansing stream thing and stuff, and and words of life, and when somebody gives, whether it's, hey, you look great today, something simple, or when I lost my job, and somebody gave us a car, wow. say thank you. Say thank you for receiving, you know, and instead of, you know, if you do something for someone, you take your Saturday and help somebody move, and they say thank you, and you say, you reply with no problem. You know, well, I wasn't doing anything anyway. It's like, let them say thank you because they received it. They're trying to get back. You know, receive it because anyway. So it's uh, it was it was hard for a while, but it's gotten to a point that out of out of our need for just out of the blue, something nice comes along. It's gotten easier yeah. because the need was there at times. Mm-hmm. You know? Having been having been sick a few times, and I'm sick. She's trying to do what she can, and we're in need. And people are blessing with words of encouragement, or meals, or whatever. Time. What can you do? But say? Yes. Yeah. I I want to be vulnerable. Thank you for sharing. I want to be vulnerable and. Um, I want to apologize to you. I tend to joke around quite a bit. You may not have noticed. (laughs) When you were in the hospital and you were telling me all the things that Gene and I had done to pour into you and Kathy, we talk about, you know, this stuff changing us too. And I was uncomfortable with what you were saying and sharing. And so I do what I do often when I'm not comfortable with stuff. I laugh it off. And I remember you you said all this stuff. I said, Paul, the word you're looking for is eh. And it was a joke. I was wrong in doing that. I was wrong in not receiving your gratitude well. And I want to apologize to that and ask you to forgive me. I want to thank you guys. I don't remember who it was last week that brought up the concept of receiving. It was Paul. (laughs) (laughs) But this has really been a revelational study for us in how to receive. And 
I'm going to actually skip to. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I'm out of sorts for a bit. What are pastors talking on the Ten Commandments, right? Jesus broke summarize them into love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. First John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. Right? We love because God started it. What do we need to do with his love? No. Receive it. We have to receive it. If we don't receive and we don't receive well, we can't give. Got a question for you. Let's say you got a lot of money, all right, and you want to bless someone, and you throw a $100 bill on the sidewalk. And you hide. And you hide. Okay, to see who picks it up. <laughs> to see who picks it up. To see who would pick it up. See who picks it up. What are your thoughts while you're waiting for someone to pick it up? How are they going to respond when they do it? How are they going to respond? Okay. You hope the right person picks it up? Who's the right okay, person, the Johnny? Right person? My view of who it may be. Someone that. Because we don't know what a person actually needs, mm -hmm. but we want it to be someone that actually needs it. Okay. okay. And what that looked like to you could be different than what it looked like to you. Okay. Any, anyone else have a different? Thank you for sharing, Johnny. Well, this is definitely I saw with my own two eyes, but uh, in San Francisco down by the wharf, these guys were they, they had a silver dollar outside the fishing room and it sitting out on the sidewalk. People would come by and they noticed it, they looked down and grab it and throw it away. And, and bathing and going, hmm, it doesn't make any sense. All they're doing is torturing the people. Okay. But if it was your money and you're hiding, not to tease people, but to actually give them the hundred bucks. What are your thoughts? Wh what are you thinking? Are you thinking like Johnny? That the right person picks it up? Yeah. Why? Why can't anybody pick it up? I don't know. There's needy, needy, needy people out there. Why have some rich guy come walking by and see the hundred dollar and go, hey, that's a fair hundred bucks. And walk away and not even, you know, flinch about it. But then some homeless guy comes by and says, Wow! Ha ha! Woohoo! Go running down the sidewalk, screaming and yelling. Are you okay with either person receiving yes. the money? Okay. I'm not. I'm not okay with that guy. And you're not either, Lena? No, not at all. See, I'm trying to change your question. Like, why don't I know that there's somebody that has a need and I just give it to Don't them? change our question. Well, put, it in there. <laughs> put it in their mailbox and walk away. Okay. <laughs> why can't we just trust that God gives it to the right person? Right. Okay. Casting lots is a biblical concept. 
Okay. It's in there. So, um. <laughs> well, then I thought of something else. Uh huh. I'm not okay with the first, you know, a rich person picking it up. But then I thought if I'm hiding, maybe, um, maybe they'll give it away. Okay. Since they have a lot of money. Oh, hey. Okay, so you guys want to hear the outside to our question? Yeah. I knew it was there. I knew it was there. Class is over. We're going to hot dog The judgments you make when giving are the same judgments you put upon the giver when they are trying to give you something. Johnny, has anybody ever tried to give you something and you feel guilty because other people need it more? Yeah, there you go. So it becomes a problem to receive. So it becomes a problem to receive. Because our, our attitudes toward giving actually reflect our attitudes in receiving. And if we can't give unconditionally, we have a real hard time receiving because there's always a condition that we are placing on the other person. You're doing this only because, and it's un, unspoken language, we may not even say it out loud, but it's the unspoken language that we're telling ourselves, which makes it really difficult to receive. How's that? Thanks. <laughs> Sure, some of this is definitely caught or modeled or taught, like Paul was saying. Or feeling unworthy. Or feeling unworthy. There, a religious spirit will tell us mm -hmm. that it is better to give than to receive. And to take that to an extreme. But I have a question for you. If nobody's willing to receive, how can anybody be blessed in giving? Yeah. Right, right. right. It's blocking written. It. You're, blocking it. So You're blocking it. That's my thought about the rich person. So it's like, even if the rich person gets it, the person that gave it is the one that receives the blessing. It doesn't matter who yeah. gets it. One hiding behind the bush. <laughs> I mean, regardless of what they do with the money, regardless of whether or not the 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 homeless addict addict goes and buys drugs with it or the single mother feeds her two yeah, children with it, or the rich person goes and invests it and buys another mansion. That's not the point of giving. I mean, Christ gave his life for us. And some of us are the addicts that spit in his face and say, hey, thanks, I'm going to go live the world, right? Or you get the idea. Another thing about receiving... Um, Again, when Paul was in the hospital, we we had to allow ourselves to receive, and um, it was really hard at first. But what I began to realize was what was one of the things that was in the way for me was pride. Mm -hmm. Okay. To actually admit I needed help and we could get through this on our own. That that was big. And it's still pride when we aren't to the point where we need help, but where we deny help 
because we're putting on someone else. Um, Ron and I will offer assistance, and people will turn us down. Well, you guys are so busy. You know, I don't want you doing that. Don't you think we know our schedule? <laughs> we probably know our schedule better than you. You know, it's like, we offer, therefore we are not imposing, or you're not imposing on us. Right? How many times have you all done that? Right? You make assumptions that the other person, you're putting them out of the way. Now, I will be truthful in some circumstances, especially during our codependent years. Um, you know, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of, I'm just going to fill my schedule because I'm a people pleaser and I'm, you know, doing all of that. Um, at the same time, quite frankly, if someone makes an offer, to give you a gift of, of time, money, whatever the case may be, um, why do we why do we assume that they're imposing and turn it down? Pride. Yeah, it's pride. Yeah. And I remember that idea what you said that about denying someone the blessing of giving. That was one of the things I had to come to grips with also when he was in the hospital. That um, if it was my friend. Would I want to help them? Yes. But what if they wouldn't allow me to? So if I don't allow our friends to help us, then I'm I'm stopping them from receiving the blessing of being able to do something Mm-hmm. Very true. And there's another one too, and if I may, I'm gonna use Paul and Kathy, the example you shared about watching football with Kathy. What I'm really grateful is Kathy didn't look at you and say, well, you're just doing that because of what they taught in su- on, on Sunday. That would have been a, a clincher. Yeah, doubt. If, if something like that happened. It didn't. If yeah. something like that happened, um, you know, that's one thing of not receiving how it's meant to talk about. But yeah, that would have been a football done. Yeah, and that's, I don't got it no more. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it because, well, you're just doing it to be nice. One of the things, you know, you shared no, the phrase no problem. What makes Chick-fil-A different than any other fast food restaurant in America? They close on Sundays. No, well, they're closed on Sundays. <laughs> but but they say something. What do they say, Victoria? It's our pleasure. It's pleasure. our pleasure. Thank you. It's our pleasure. I'm actually careful with the words because when Gene thanks me for something, have you noticed the words I'm using are different? I don't say no problem anymore. I say it's my pleasure. He eats too much Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I don't eat enough no, Chick-fil-A. It's actually, it's actually but those, those, we tend to forget that it's the small things that make big changes. And it's my pleasure versus no problem. Tells you where her heart's at. No problem communicates. Eh, I had nothing better to do anyway. Exactly. It can, that's what it can communicate. Eh, I had nothing better to do anyway. Whereas my pleasure means I found pleasure in, in serving. And I was pleased to do it. And it's all about me anyway, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How many think that receiving is a passive thing? And it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, thank you. You know, I got the gift, thank you. Um, 
that it's it's not a I mean especially some people definitely receive well some people constantly want to receive okay and they will take anything from anywhere from anyone um, there's a truth right I mean we all know some people that don't want to they really don't want to work they don't want to you know they want to be the ones that receive it all I want to be taken care of I want to be provided for I want to be and I'm perfectly fine receiving mm -hmm. no problem um, but is there a passivity to, to receiving is it something that we have to be active in or is there something that is just kind of Ron you were gonna say something you said what I was gonna say I find that entitlement is a big part of people just saying you give and I'll get and whatever happens to their organism as a part of their spirit and body kind of seems lacking to me. The person who receives all the time, but I'm not necessarily talking about terminal care or something, but yeah, general no. relationships, there's, uh, what do they call that? This vein to only want to receive. I'm trying to find the passage. Well, there's some people that haven't learned the lesson on how to give well either. There has to be. You know, we've in this class modeled many times are told, you know, the difference between the Dead Sea and the Red Sea. They both have the same source of water going to it. Um, the Dead Sea, literally, it's poisonous. Yeah, okay, if you, if you um, swallow the Dead Sea water, you're to go to medic. I mean, there's signs posted all over the place. We've swam in the Dead Sea. And everyone in our group pretty much also walked out with gashes and cuts and everything else like that because of the sediments on the bottom. All the heavy minerals are, are very, um, they're, they're, it's like walking on glass, basically. All right. It takes in, it takes in, it takes in, it doesn't give out. And it's so full of heavy stuff that it is called the Dead Sea. The Red Sea receives that water and passes it through and there's life an abundant life in the Red Sea all right so if we're just doing no giving just receiving we become like that water right and and so it's it's that pride and and that just being nice well you're just doing it because you you, you know one of the things Gene and I went to a marriage encounter um, intimate encounter thing in Texas back in 2004, 2005 maybe. And one of the couples said, well, it's so contrived. The language we teach you guys, it just sounds so contrived because we coach you on how to use language. We've done that with couples. You know, we coach you, in, well, you know, I, I can imagine just some of the conversations going home. Well, yeah, you just said that because that's what he told you to say or she told you to say, but we're trying to give you a new language. It's called coaching, you know, it's, it's practice. So it's, it's like, well, you're doing that just because you're being nice. And that also is not, it's not receiving well. And it can be difficult because we're just uncomfortable with that vulnerability. You said it, Kathy, it leaves us vulnerable when we receive and we don't like to be vulnerable. No, the receiver, the receiver, it leaves us vulnerable to receive. You said if it reflects, if the way we receive or give reflects the other, what does that reflect in the person who gives? Well, what, what I did say is, is our attitude in giving can reflect how we receive. Yeah. Because we see the giver the same way we see us. Conditional. 
other thing you're talking the Red Sea and the Dead the Dead Sea, the Red Sea. So the Dead Sea receives and does not give. The Red Sea receives and gives. So it's a balance. If you give and don't receive, you get a desert. Very mm -hmm. true. Very true. Yep. Balance and then opposite ends of the spectrum. Has anybody in here ever felt dry? Emotionally dry? It's because you're not receiving. It could be that people aren't giving, but also it could be that you're not receiving well. You're concerned, you're, you're, you're just. You're receiving conditionally. Yeah, that's it. Receiving conditionally. Okay. Um, I tend to meet with people over coffee, you know, quick meals or something like that. And I literally, um, sometimes the meals are bought for me and sometimes I buy the meals for other, um, individuals and I don't keep track. And one of the hardest things for me is when I meet with people and they say, well, you bought it last time, so it's my turn. Okay, so now I have to keep track to find out. And then is there an equality of, well, I don't know. We went to Taco Bell last time, but now it's Panera. Panera is more expensive. So um, does your two Taco Bells equal my, <laughs> my Panera? Right? But th think about this. I mean, because of this teaching, um, you know, I met with, with someone this week and um, you know, it's like, okay, I start to bring cash now. So it's like, you pay your stuff and I pay my stuff and the other person didn't bring cash, you know, and it's like, well, fine. I would just take my cash and put it on your card, you know? And then th they said, you know what? I'll buy it. And my first instinct was going to be, no, that's okay. Just, you know, it's like, but because of this, it's like, wait a second, I need to learn how to receive well. And it's, it's okay. Thank you. I, I appreciate you buying me the meal. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy because sometimes I'll make judgments with the people. I'm well, you're not really working. You know, well, you're a single person with kids. Well, you're there. I go. I'm judging their financial situation. I'm better financially than they are. So you know. Or I'm your dad or your mom. I'm your dad or I'm your mom. My daughter got me with that. Okay. When the kids like, start no, getting dad. older. Like, just receive it. You know, because, you know, her and her husband come and we eat or whatever. It's like, oh, I got it. And I may not, you know, it probably put a strain, but, and, you know, she, she got me. It was their pleasure to give. Yeah. So you had to she receive. She felt I was taken away from something that she was delighted to do. I could buy my dad a meal. Mm -hmm. And I was literally trying to take it, that from her. And she, it was already in her, her mind that that's where she was at. With. And then with kids, it goes the other way too, where it's like, what is mom and dad? Yeah. Just the bank of, yeah. you know, Brian. You I, I remember it was, it wasn't money, but we when we go camping, I have this nice big little outside grill that I cook on. That just, you know, I love cooking when we camp. This is something I love to do. And I got a tent in my backyard for you. Just kidding. 
But in our son from well, they live in Kansas now. They came camping with us, and I was getting ready to get up and and you know start cooking breakfast in the morning. And he goes, he goes, Dad, go go back into your tent and go to sleep. I'll tell you when breakfast is ready. And I'm like, what? I go, this is my job. He goes, you cooked a lot of breakfasts in your time. It's our turn now. And I'm like, oh, poof. So I went back in. I went, and it, you know, it was like Johnny. It was like it was like a wake up call. You know, they wanted to. He wanted to bless us to serve by you. serving us, right? And it was it was something. It was a, I, I, that was a teaching lesson for me right there, because you know, I'm the dad. I want to take care of everybody. Like that. I I shoot. Yeah, sorry. Um, I have a question. Okay. Multi-level response, multi-level question. Yeah, because there were several several concerns you were addressing. Yeah. In what was actually a, the question was simple, but the thought process behind it was. <laughs> we need to check our motives. Why are we putting that hundred dollars out there? If it was on our heart to put a hundred dollars out there, then regardless of who picks it up and what happens with it, it's put it down and walk away. So what's the heart in giving? Search me, see if there be any wicked way. At the same time, um, there's nothing wrong with putting boundaries. You know, are you feeling taken advantage of because your idea of giving is you give to receive and it's a tit for tat? Is it you bought this one, I'll buy next one type thing. And that's why, and I was going to mention after Brian's comment, being put into a position of receiving really causes us to reflect harshly, uh, more, more, hopefully more honestly with our, where we are. Because... Our motives for giving, we really have to check them. We really have to check our motives for giving. Giving ideally is unconditional. I should be able to put that $100 on a street 
and just walk away. I'm sorry, whose hundred dollars is that? How did you get that hundred dollars? It's God's. Now he may have provided that from an inheritance, a job. Um, someone may have dropped a hundred dollars in your lap. Right? But ultimately you did not you didn't do it. I don't want to say you didn't do anything for the hundred dollars. The hundred dollars isn't yours. Everything we have, everything that we are, belongs to God. Right. And we are receptors of that. But too often we forget about that. And we say it's ours. Our time shouldn't be ours. Our possession shouldn't be ours. I mean, yes, we're stewards of it. And we have to be good stewards of it. But the originator of our time, the originator of our breath, the originator of our thoughts, the originator... Those come from God, well, not always our thoughts. No, not always our thoughts. But the other thing I want to, uh, and that is, so we have to check our motives. And, and really, it, it relates back to who truly does own that? Who really has, has given that to us? And ultimately, the source of everything that's good came from the Father, period. The other thing, though, is that we have to be willing because, Sue, you mentioned something else. You know, receive back the way I think it should be received back. The moment we put an expectation on something of how God can bless us, we just put God in the smallest, tightest box that he never should be in. Because if we truly define God's blessing for us in our terms, you can just wipe Ephesians 3.20 <coughs> from the book because Ephesians 3.20 says I have far greater mind than you could ever hope for or imagine so I challenge people think of how God can bless you and they think about it and and I look at them I, I do this all the time on, on, in, on the line in cleansing stream think about how God can bless you and they do and they get this big smile on your face I say, okay you got it right and he said yeah I said already it's too small now you got to think of something bigger. Think of something bigger. Think of something bigger. Think of something bigger. We put God into a box. We will never experience the fullness of the blessing that he actually has for us. We've shared this story many times. God told us we'd have a bed and breakfast. We went to Syracuse, New York. We were going to buy a bed and breakfast. Turnkey. Turnkey. If that had happened we would have never met any of you. God knew what he was doing. We had an idea of what he was doing, but as soon as we understood what God wanted for our lives, what did we do? Thanks, God. Now we're off to do it. We went searching for the picture, only to find out a few years later that actually what we had been doing is what we were supposed to be doing as a bed and breakfast just in a different thing not as a professional business so yeah so i you know i go to conferences and people knew colleagues knew i thought you were going to open up at bed and breakfast we've been running one for the last 15 years <laughs> really yeah but it doesn't look like you would think a bed and breakfast would look but you know what it's much more fulfilling than that picture ever would have been in the last 15 years what we've had probably 25 30 people yeah live in our house yep 
for various lengths of time? Too. Huh? It's probably less stressful the way you do it. Oh, I'm not saying it's any less true. <laughs> I won't go there. Kathy, let's be, I'm just being honest with you. Kathy? In Sue's situation, Paul and I had a situation like that where um, we had a relationship with somebody who was a taker. And we knew that. But the Lord put it on our heart for a period of time to, um, and we felt, we felt genuine love about doing it. Sometimes we sometimes um, yes gave time like help you know to put things in the house or even take them away with us for a weekend that they wouldn't have been able to do themselves and and we did it because the Lord put it on our heart but then it did get to a point where this person became entitled became a bottomless pit and became entitled and we actually had to cut off that relationship but that was also the Lord showing us that you know we did what he wanted for a time and that person was very blessed by it but then you know it got to a point where it was enabling and we had to cut off the relationship because it it's hard to have any relationship without all that, you know? And I think further in this study, we're going to be talking and delving a little bit more um, in detail into those types of con concepts. But for today, let's go back to receiving. Are, are we the ones that are always on the receiving end? Are we the ones that are always saying no? How can we receive well? Um, um, so we want to close, because we're getting close to closing with that. One of the things that that just point you gave well, it just wasn't received well. Okay. And as a result, you know, you did what God asked you to do. Keep in mind that the other person, <laughs> I, I, I once commented to Jean, so what did you tell, you know, God, God told Jean that she had to stay married to me. <laughs> but she never told me her response to God. So I, I, there was still a wall up. There was still me and you. There was still a wall up. And she said, well, God told me I had to stay married to you. I said, God told me a lot of stuff I ignored. You didn't tell me your response. So just because it is given doesn't mean it's going to be received well. God was opening up an opportunity for the other person to grow by receiving well. That didn't happen. You are freed at some point from that giving them. Make sense? Yeah. All right. Go ahead. What? Mind blank at the moment. Oh, mind blank at the moment. Receiving well. The first thing, accept a basic premise. I'm enough. I am enough. If I didn't give, if I didn't receive, just who I am is enough. It doesn't mean if I receive something that I'm needy, emotionally, financially, physically. Okay, if someone wants to come alongside, and I've got to struggle with this. Someone wants to come alongside and help me with physical packages or to do something. No, I got it. I'm fine. I can carry this. Meanwhile, I'm carrying some small bag in jeans. <laughs> that, that, that kid in Christmas story. Oh. Okay, it's, it's, I need to learn to receive better in that circumstance. 
I don't have to prove that I could still do it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about um, him hurting his back if he helps me. You know, I have to be willing to say, okay, here, here's the bag. And, and not just for Ron, but for, you know, anyone or anything else. I'm an independent, strong person, pull myself up by the bootstraps. I don't need any one person. All right, that's what was modeled. That was, you know, you just get on, you get moving. And this is a hard part, too, in receiving, which we didn't mention earlier, is I don't want to receive because they're not going to give me the quality that I can do if I did it myself. Right? <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, we're we're real here. But this is the deal. Someone had to give me the opportunity to do it for me to be able to maybe learn how to do it better. You know, and why is my way the best way? It may be slightly better, but I don't know what else the Lord's going to do in that circumstance. Can we you know? get that person to do really good job? Like, I exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How long do we give? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we need to let up. Maybe we need to loosen some of our standards. No, you, you know what, Pinder? I, mean, I know you're joking, but it's true. It is, yeah. Okay, I know you're joking, but it's true. Yeah. When I had surgery on my shoulder, that was really hard for me because I was really hindered. I could not do my own hair. I could not do my own makeup. I could not clean the house. I could not take my own shower. I could not. And nobody in my house does it like I do. I'm just saying, right? your standards but sometimes you'll also be surprised what someone else offers yeah you know that maybe someone did your hair in a way that you hadn't thought of before and it's like hey I really like that like Django <laughs> I'm, I'm going to challenge I'm, I'm going to challenge our thought process here a little bit maybe challenge our spirituality God's word says that be faithful in the little things and much will be given to you right Let's think about this Ultimately, which is a harder gift to receive? A lunch? Or the gift of a father who sacrificed his own son so that he could be reconciled to us? I'm just putting it out there. If we have trouble accepting a lunch, maybe that's why we're struggling in our spiritual walk. Because even though we profess that we accept that gift, I wonder if we've really received the fullness of that gift. That'll clear out the love room. Us? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's it's just and that that just was laid onto my spirit so how we receive is really a reflection so to receive well we need to recognize that we're enough we're enough in god's eyes we may not be enough in this world's eyes because as we've discussed we see each other with judgment and we see ourselves with judgment but from god's eyes which is where we receive right we're enough so receiving well begins with we're enough to receive whatever it is um, that wants to bless us. We need to be more discerning with our giving. Learn to examine our own needs and the well um, and others' needs. Right. All right. Understand our motivation for giving. All right. Is it out of love or expectation? And seek healing for the motivation. Make room in your life for receiving. Be aware that there's different ways you can receive, even if it is ponytails when you wanted a pigtail. Okay? <laughs> exactly. exactly. You have to check if you wanted a cash card. Okay? Um, remember that receiving empowers those who are giving. And when we say empowers, it doesn't mean that it makes them more powerful, but it gives them the ability to give more when we receive well. And when we receive well, it also enables them to, if God gave them that, hey, I want you to give to this person, and that person receives well, guess what is affirmed in them? That they can hear God's voice. Okay. Um, God Men Project wrote this. It says, exercising the receiving muscle will enable you to feel more comfortable reaching out for support. You know those times when you feel alone? and you're just having a ma major, minor or major meltdown, if you don't know how to receive well, you're not going to reach out. Okay. Relax into the feeling of giving. Just be open to it. Receiving. Or of receiving. I'm sorry. Just, just be open to it. Just be open to the fact that God may want to bless you. Just because he wants to. Because it gives him pleasure. Yes, God can show up in his incarnate form and have that big, booming Charlton Heston voice and, you know, talk from a burning bush. Or he can come alongside of you in the form of someone else who gives you a hug. There you go. I think for me that's the key is to um, look at it with that perspective that, you know, if someone is doing something for me, it's a blessing. It's the Lord reaching out and doing it for me. There you not go. Not necessarily, you know, so like that I won't put no judgment on it or I won't, you know, put a block up, but I'll just receive it and know that the Lord is going to bless them in return as well. Yeah. Right. Receiving can be fun. Um, we, we do a lot of, um, white elephant parties, yeah. um, and we actually had one last night and, um, I, I'm trying to describe the hat. Um, I, it's undescribable. It, it was shiny gold material and it had kind of this rolled thing. And then it kind of had a point, it had a bow here. Um, you know, think uh, uh, think Old South, um, you know. Cotton thread right there. Yeah, it just, it was, you know, the, the, uh, 
Um, th this was this was someone that brought for a white elephant gift. So I didn't I didn't get it. Um, someone else got it, and it actually got stolen. Um, the way that the person was, I mean, it was just, it was a lot of fun, you know? And I've been to white elephant parties like, well, I brought something really nice and I got this garbage. Okay. You know, What's a white elephant party? A white elephant party is, is used or re-gifted nice gifts. Yeah. Gently used gift, but... Oh, okay. But there's somebody who goes there that goes to Goodwill and finds the most garish gift that he could find. <laughs> you know? But it's like how how it's received makes a huge difference. Yeah. Even in a white elephant giving. Have fun with it. Just have fun with it. Receiving can't... I, I will confess, receiving... And you heard me early on. Receiving is one of the most difficult things for me. We've personally realized through this study that we have not give, given the gift of receiving well. And we've had to repent of that. Yeah. We have no problems giving, but we didn't realize how much of a problem we had receiving until we did this study. Right. Um, it's, a, it's a very good topic because uh, I, I enjoy giving with my but I notice with those people is when you give something, let's say a CD, they oh, thank you. But then they say that. I said, well, they didn't respond. Like, no big deal. How did that affect me? Okay, well, I did my part. I wanted to give. So I think giving has a lot to do with that. I want to do it, not that I have to do it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the key. And when we give, if it's something unique in us that we want to, with no expectation, that's probably the hard part. Because other people on the receiving end may have different responses. There's probably a category of different responses. Some people say, oh, you know, I could give something, a napkin to somebody. Oh, thank you. That's very considerate. You know, that's them receiving it. They're more compassionate. Uh, that part is probably enjoyable to the giver. They appreciate that. It, and it's hard. And it's and when you're receiving something that you really don't like, that you really don't want, um, it becomes more of a challenging to, how do I say this, um, separate the gift from the giver. Yeah. You know, to, it's like, well, thank you. I, I don't exactly know what I'll do with a pigsty, um, you know, but I appreciate you thinking of me. You know, maybe I can turn it into a planter or something, you know. But how I receive it from that person, instead of just saying thank you, how about, can you give me an idea what you were you were thinking of when you decided that a pigsty would be a good gift for me? Well, seriously. You know, and, and they very well may have thought, oh, well, you know, because you're doing this and this and this, I may not have ever thought of that. You are so good at restoring things. And I saw that this really had potential. And I've seen you take things that just were so ugly and you've turned them into something beautiful that I thought you would like this. So, you know, hey, I, I really appreciate you thinking of me. Can you tell me you know, how you connected this with me? I'd love to hear your, your reasoning behind it. You know, can change the way that we receive things. 
-hmm. instead of, oh, um, thanks. Okay, questions, comments, slide remarks, because we're. Hey, real quick one. One of my love languages is giving. So at our complex, the condo where we live, um, I noticed the ladies, a couple of ladies' vehicles, their headlights were like just fogged over real bad. So I bought this kit to do her car. And another friend of ours came over and she was in her van and her lights were just wasted too. I'm like, wow, it's just kind of weird. So I went ahead and cleaned her headlights for her. And I mean, they came out clear. I went, oh, stuff really works great. Yeah, she was very happy. You know, thanked me and everything. And then there was a neighbor that had her car. Well, I didn't even tell her. I just went out there and started cleaning and cleaned everything. They were done and clean. She ended up having to tell her daughter that, hey, did you notice your headlights were clean? Just Lord was telling me that I needed. I seen that it was something they could. I mean, they could take it somewhere and have it done. They couldn't do it themselves. But I had the kid. I was there. I didn't do it. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't want no. You don't want any reward. You don't want any recognition, and that's fine. And I'm. That I wanted reward. I wanted that person to know that you did it because I didn't think. You know, if she's like me, which she probably is, she just goes and gets in the car and never looks at the front of her headlights. And so, you know, weeks went by and I saw her and she never said anything. So I told her and she was like, oh, thank you. So who does that speak more about, you or her? Yeah. See, you had and and. We, you know us. We shoot straight, right? Yeah. There's no condemnation, no judgment. Right. No, tell me. Tell me. Ron, your giving heart really causes me to appreciate you on such a deep level that you don't even care about the other person even recognizing that you did something. Yeah, he didn't even care. Hold on. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, this is a good response to Ron, a good gift to give because you, keep in mind, the other person didn't receive well, but you can still receive well in her stead. So instead of making sure that the other person knew so that credit could be given, take you it to, can take it to Ron. It, I appreciate your giving heart and what you did. She did that many times. For oh, my neighbor. Okay. Well, I sat right out there and yeah, supported it. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's always wise in those situations. And that's always wise. And okay. just to and leave wise. it, see? <laughs> Because I bet that your your words meant much, much more to Ron than that other person's words ever could have. So you just, see? <laughs> the old really just it, it, learn what makes each other tick, folks. Learn to give and receive well. All right, we're going to pray. You want to pray? Father... Oh, Daddy, I just, um, I would pray that you would increase our heart to receive more of what you've given us, mm -hmm. to be more appreciative and to be able to be, see, to be better receivers. Lord, um, help us to receive in the supernatural, help us to receive in the natural, yep. so that we can become better givers. Yes, Lord. And I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a good prayer, babe.
Love you guys very much. Love you more.